Okay. Hi, everyone. This is Joe Samansky with Elections Daily. I am here today with Oklahoma 5th candidate uh, Stephanie Bice. Stephanie, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Okay, so uh, first question, what inspired you to run for Congress? Well, you know, I think Washington needs leaders that are going to tackle the big, seemingly unsolvable problems and find conservative solutions to those. I have done that on the state level as a state senator here in Oklahoma, representing part of the 5th District, and I want to take that same experience uh, to Washington. Okay. Uh, Something that is overlooked a lot when it comes to running a campaign I feel like is fundraising for it. So you're especially considered to be in what is going to be a very competitive race. So, so what is it like fundraising for a race that ex- that's expected to be so competitive and is kind of so much on the national level? Well, you know, I think I have a little bit of a, of a heads up because I currently hold an elected position. So I know um, what it takes to go out and ask for money. I know what kind of resources are needed. Uh, but certainly this is a different dynamic. We are still in Oklahoma, just finished the primary election and we'll be um, looking to the runoff on August the 25th. So I'm still working on fundraising for these races, but it'll be a quick turnaround on August 26th to continue to fundraise for the general election. Okay. So, so do you think your background as a business manager and kind of your background in business will be a crucial part to your personal success and uh, in Congress, if you are elected to this seat? Yeah, you know, I had my own small business for some time. I worked for the family business, and I think that having that business background um, makes me aware of the challenges that small business owners face because I've, you know, signed the front and the back of a paycheck. I know what, what um, small business owners struggle with, especially the bureaucratic red tape, whether that be um, local. Um, provisions, state or federal legislation that could be changed to benefit small business owners across the country. Okay. And, and you mentioned already, uh, you, you've been in the state Senate for the last six years. You were elected in 2014 and you've kind of become a key player in that part of the Oklahoma legislature. So what kind of convinced you to get involved there uh, just to start at the state level? Sure. You know, someone asked, that's the short answer. I was approached in 2013 by at the time the sitting state senator uh, he had chosen not to run for re-election and he said i know your work ethic your type of tenacity your ability to get things done and i think you would be an incredible legislator in addition to that at the time in oklahoma we only had three women out of 48 serving in the oklahoma state senate and he said we need more women and more conservative women and i think we're seeing that even on the national level now and so i ran for this state senate seat in 2014 won in a runoff election in august of that year and really got to work for oklahoma started looking at uh, a lot of areas of legislation that would free up businesses and put people to work um, one of the pieces of legislation I ran has created over 5,000 new jobs since, it's been, since it was enacted. So, you know, I tackled everything from criminal justice reform to education uh, initiatives, as well as um, the previously mentioned state question. Yeah. So if, if you win uh, not only your runoff, but the general election as well, you, you obviously will have to give up your seat in the state Senate. So if you do win, uh, what what do you see as your biggest accomplishment uh, during your time in the state Senate in Oklahoma? 
I think there are, I mean, there's a lot of high points, certainly, um, for me in this six years. The, the most recent, maybe, is a piece of legislation that I worked on, which was bipartisan on criminal justice reform in Oklahoma. You know, unfortunately, Oklahoma had the highest per capita incarceration rate of any nation in the world, including that of women, incarcerated women. And I worked with my counterparts in the House as well as the governor to pass legislation to uh, create a process by which someone that had a simple possession charge and was serving time could have that sentence commuted because the voters of Oklahoma had uh, passed similar a similar state question uh, a year and a half prior to that that said that simple possession was no longer a felony. We had incarcerated people on those felony convictions that were now a misdemeanor. And so I worked with um, leaders to, to address that issue. And I was able to be part of a commutation where over 400 individuals were released from state prisons across the state. So it was pretty profound. Okay. So uh, you've been well known in your area for, for really interacting with your constituents while campaigning. So obviously right now, uh, the whole enti- the entire world is affected by uh, coronavirus and the crisis that's going on there. So, mm-hmm. so how, how much has that affected and impacted the way you have campaigned for this race? You know, it really has. I never imagined when we announced our candidacy last April that a year later we would be in the middle of a, of a global pandemic. And we've had to really pivot in how we campaign how we fundraise, what that looks like. And I'm proud of my team because they've done an incredible job of really maneuvering this difficult time. But you know, there are ways to be effective, even if you can't be on a doorstep, even if you can't be at a meet and greet or a town hall. We have used technology to our advantage in doing Zoom calls or doing town halls using Facebook Live. We've also done fundraising events online. So being creative and innovative in how we connect with voters is crucial right now. In addition to that, when we do have gatherings, we try to be very mindful of the protocols that are in place, either masks or, you know, hand washing, sanitizing, um, hand sanitizer, and, and just being cautious. A lot of events outside, we're actually having a, a breakfast on Saturday morning that'll be out of a park. Uh, so there's still ways to get engaged. We just have to be creative and how we do it yeah so uh obviously the reason why you your opponent and this race is getting so much attention is because kendra horn who's a democrat uh won this seat in that 2018 midterm wave uh how much of a shock did, did that give you when she won and how did it make you rethink how your area is politically or how you would have to maybe do work in your area politically at all You know, it didn't. I think if you look at the numbers, the breakdown for that particular race, the early and absentee ballot voting is where the um, bulk of the majority of the votes came that put Kendra over the top and was able to secure that that win. It was less than 3,300 votes out of a total of over 240,000 cast. And I think people maybe took advantage of the fact that she had a chance because this is such a red state and typically we, we do elect Republicans, but um, 
I think she just worked hard and tried to engage with voters. Now, I do think that people didn't really know exactly what she stood for and what her principles were. I think some of that has been apparent in her votes uh, in Congress, and I think that will play out as we get to the general election and people realize that maybe she wasn't as moderate as they, they initially thought. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're, you're running as one of, if not the top female recruit for the GOP this cycle, uh, but you're obviously running in this competitive primary. H- how much support have you felt from the party s- since you've started this run? You know, I think that um, I have had a lot of support from individual members uh, of Congress, which has been incredible. You know, Elise Stefanik uh, came out and endorsed me through her EPAC organization fairly early. I think it was last fall. I may have been this early this year, but I think it was end of last year. Um, I've also received support from Martha Roby, Susan Brooks, um, Jackie Walorski, and Wagner, and then on the, um, as well as some of the members from Texas, so Bill Flores, Will Hurd, um, uh, Michael McCall, some others. It's just been an incredible, I think, support system and also a resource. So when things are happening, when you know, there's questions that I might have about a particular issue. I have folks that I can reach out to to ask for their advice or guidance um, as I navigate these waters. Yeah. So, so you mentioned at least Stephaniak and her EPAC. Uh, how how much of that, and kind of finally having this support system for women running in running in elections in the GOP. How much of that has been a help to you in this race, and what you've kind of what you've been able to do so far? Well, Representative Stefanik is incredible, and what she's doing is really what the Democrats have done well for quite some time, and that is find, recruit, and support um, great candidates for office that happen to be women. And, you know, that's why you see such a disparity with the number of females serving on the Democratic side, because Republicans really haven't focused on that. So I commend Representative Stefanik in her um, support of so many female candidates. Look, the bottom line is that women may not see themselves in these roles and they may not recognize they have an opportunity until they're asked to do so. And they, they sometimes don't have the support system that they need. And it's great to have people like Elise and like Susan Brooks, who is the NR, one of the NRCC recruitment chairs, to be able to, you know, ask the questions, how do I effectively fundraise? What do I need to say in these situations? What's the best strategy for, you know, this particular um, issue? Having those individuals that have been there and done it and can help you, it does build confidence in uh, your ability to, to win these races. Yeah, and, and, and to kind of keep on, on the, you know, women question, uh, if you do win, uh, you'll be only the fourth women from Oklahoma uh, to head to Congress. Uh, how much would that mean to you? And also, do you have any advice to women out there who are thinking about taking taking the plunge and running for office? Well, look, I, I would be I, I will be honored to be uh, one of the women serving um, the state of Oklahoma in Congress. I think I am would be remiss if I didn't mention the women before me that have been trailblazers in Oklahoma, Kate Bernard being the first one um, who ran for local office um, decades ago, but most recently Governor Mary Fallon, she was the first female governor in Oklahoma. Um, You know, we've had a 
a lower number of women seeking office, but I think that is beginning to change and people are beginning to recognize that there's a great opportunity. Uh, so I look forward to serving the state of Oklahoma in that capacity. And I've been honored to be part of that on the state level. I was actually appointed the assistant majority floor leader in the Oklahoma state Senate. Um, I think it was three years ago now. And I was the first Republican female ever to hold that role. Uh, it was a pretty incredible, you know, honor to, to be named to that position. Okay. Uh, one of, one of the issues that I've seen you put up here on your platform on your website is supporting education and obviously Oklahoma's children and how uh, we work to kind of grow the bond between not only just education, but also technology education and how important that's sure. going to be in the future. But with, sure. with coronavirus, uh, how do you see that working at the federal level and making sure that not only still potentially during this crisis, but after it, do you think that education needs needs somewhat to change or do you how much support do you think it needs to go back to what it was pre-coronavirus look i think there's a a balance there but but let me be clear we need to be using technology and innovating to be able to continue to educate our kids whether it in the classroom or remotely and part of that will be ensuring that every child has access to broadband you know, certainly there are some challenges in rural communities where they don't have high-speed internet access. So we need to figure out what are the obstacles to make sure that they do have access to, to be able to, to learn remotely uh, or do distance learning. The, the, the great thing is that we right now have an opportunity to really change the way that we think about education in America. We have, in many cases, taught the same way we have been teaching for decades. And you know, you see people leaving public education to go to virtual or online or doing a hybrid model. And I think that we may see the benefits of this, although the short-term pain, there may be a long-term gain in really rethinking how education operates in, in America. Okay. So like, like we've met, like you and I have mentioned so far in this interview, uh, you are heading to a runoff for the right to face uh, Kendra Horn. But what, what is that shift kind of like, you know, when, when you go from a regular primary where you're running against five or six different candidates to when you're going to a runoff and it's just you versus the other person? What's what's that shift like? Well, I think the first thing that we focus on is figuring out what voter turnout will likely be. Unfortunately, many elections, many runoff elections have much lower participation than a primary or certainly a general election. So really identifying those voters that will actually get to the polls and vote in that election. Uh, absentee voting is a very big topic of conversation right now, ensuring that we're getting the absentee voters to send in their ballots, um, as well as really communicating for those individuals that did not support um, myself in the first in the first round, you know, convincing them that I'm the best candidate to take on Kendra Horn in November. Yeah. So, so you mentioned absentee ballots and kind of this new system of, you know, mailing in ballots, especially in the COVID crisis. But uh, the president has kind of come out against using measures like that. Do, do you think he's right in that regard? Or do you think maybe he needs to be informed a little bit more about the, the successes that absentee and mail-in ballots have? 
Look, I think Oklahoma does an incredible job with our absentee ballot process. No other state in in the U.S. does as good a job as we do. We have a very thorough process. Election security is important. Um, You have normally a notary requirement. The legislature this last um, year decided to expand that to also allow for either a photocopy of a government-issued ID or a voter registration card that is mailed to you by the county you could include that with your ballot, but we made it very easy for people to participate in mail-in ballots. Um, it is not like other places where you have things like um, ballot harvesting or improper ballots. We believe it's a very secure and thorough election process, and and so much so that you actually will know the election results within a couple of hours of the end of the polls closing, which is very unusual for um, a lot of other states. Okay, so so one final question. Uh, why do you think you are the better candidate to take on and beat Kendra Horn and flip this seat back towards the Republican column? Well, you know, I think that I have not only the business background, having been a business owner myself and working for the family business, but I also have the legislative experience to be able to go to Washington and hit the ground running on day one. Um, it's easy for people to say what they believe or say what they'll do, but I've actually done it on the state level. And my hope is that uh, the voters of Oklahoma will recognize my tenacity and ability to get things done and send me to Washington to represent them to do the same. Okay. Well, uh, Stephanie Bice, uh, thank you so much for speaking with me this afternoon. Uh, good, Not only good luck to you in your runoff, but if you make it past that, good luck to you in the general election again. And uh, again, thank you very much for coming on and speaking with me today. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it.